Okay, so I actually, I want to start um, this morning with, on a quick survey with you. So I'm going to need you to participate, okay? Okay, so here's my first question. How many people in here set New Year's resolutions? Right, I had one first service, so we actually like hit about four, so there we go. Okay, how many of you set resolutions that never made it past a windstorm? <laughs> I see you. Okay, how many people just don't even bother with New Year's resolutions because they don't believe it works? Come on, there's the honest bunch of you. Okay, then here's a real honest question. How many of you don't set New Year's resolutions because you're just not intentional about the way you live? (laughs) Okay, good job. Because here, I mean, honestly, I actually, I'm not a person myself who sets New Year's resolutions. Um, but as I was journaling over the new year and I actually looked back into, in journals over previous years, like for my first entry of the year, I realized, wow, I actually have a consistent theme in my new year's journaling. And, and really, um, it comes to, I was like, man, I actually found that I asked almost the same questions this year as I did last year, which was along the lines of like, man, what, like, if I look back on this last year, did I do what I wanted to do? Did I build what I wanted to build? Did I go where I wanted to go? Am I, like, am I in the results of what I would have said that I would have done over this last year? And then as I look forward, I'm kind of like, man, what needs to adjust? And you know, what, do I, am I clear of what my vision is or where I'm going or the reasons why? Those type of questions. And so as much as I'm not like an official New Year's resolution person, I'm like, man, I I really believe in the power of intentional living. Um, You know, a long time ago, there was a quote that really impacted me. And I don't actually remember who said it, but it was this. It said, I either train my child with intentionality or they will be trained by something else in my silence. Right now, every parent in the room just... Right, but it really, I, I feel like on a, on a broader scale, the same thing would be like, man, I either live my life with intentionality or I will be driven by outside forces that I do not choose. And so as I was thinking about all of this and I was like, man, I've actually kind of heard that New Year's resolutions don't really work. And so I was curious if that was true and I was curious as to why not. So I went to like Encyclopedia Google to like kind of figure that out. And and here's what I found. I found this, that about 25% of New Year's resolutions last less than seven days. Now, isn't that interesting, right? So a quarter of all New Year's resolutions are gone in a week. And over 50% don't last more than six months. So I'm like, okay, so that's interesting, right? And, but then I was like, okay, but if not, why not? And so I went looking for that as well. And I was reading, I ended up in a, in a psychology journal. And they said, in the psychology journal, there was two main reasons why resolutions fail. Now, one of the first reasons was that often they're focused on a negative. So they're focused on the thing that we're trying to avoid versus our vision of what we want to be, right? So for example, if if my resolution was to be like, I'm gonna eat less chocolate this year, what happens? All the time I'm thinking about not eating chocolate, which means what's the thing that I am thinking about? 
chocolate, which is ultimate torture, trying not to do the thing that you're constantly thinking about. And it made me think of um, the fact that I I have been skiing once in my life. Um, And you're looking at me confused. I'm pretty sure I've been skiing once in my life. Um, And partially because my husband lied to me and made it sound like it was really easy. (laughs) Which might be true when you're 10, not true when you're 40. Um, and so we went up Elieska, this was actually a number of years ago, and, and we went up to the, the little bunny slope, right? And we're on the bunny slope, and he's teaching me and he's teaching our children at the same time, who are much smaller than they were now. And I didn't have poles because I wasn't good enough. And so all you do is, is ride the little magic carpet thing up. Have you guys done the magic carpet? You guys get what I'm talking about. So you ride the little magic carpet up, and then you have to pizza down this little slope, which was a little bit stretching my capacity. And so we did that all morning and I'm barely kind of navigating this. But our kids have picked it up like that. And Ashton's already starting to do the little jumps over to the side, which is very humbling. And Ava's nailing it and I am like barely managing it to hold it together down this little thing. But we inevitably hit the point that we actually have to go back down to the lodge for lunch which involves a little bit of a journey, right? So now we come off the magic carpet. I'm pretty sure we caught a lift up somewhere. And then we had to go down chair seven. Anybody know where chair seven is? Now, again, no poles. And all I know how to do is marginally pizza with my skis. And so we get to the top of chair seven. And here's the problem. Like there's a long slope down to the lodge. But also if anybody's ever done this at beginner level, there is a quite a steep drop off down to your left and then a big old grove of trees. Right? So our kids, down they go, no problems. Aaron with our kids, down they go, no problems. And now I'm up the top of the hill going, I hate my life. And so I'm like, but I have to get to the bottom of the hill. I have no choice, right? But here's, so here's my problem. I start to go and the whole time I'm like looking at this like thing and I keep going off to the left. And the only thing I know how to do, because I can't really stop, is to throw myself on the ground. So I think I do it about three times. I'm getting closer and closer to the drop off and the trees. And now I'm hurting because I'm throwing myself on the ground. And now I'm sitting on the side of the hill and I'm angry at the world. And Aaron yells from the bottom of the hill, look in the direction you want to go. Right? Here was my problem. I was so busy looking at the thing that I was trying to avoid that every time it was orienting my body straight towards it. It's such a key to change is that we focus on where we want to go, not on the thing that we want to avoid, right? I mean, eventually made it to the bottom, but I've never been skiing again. (laughs) And then the second reason that they said that, that New Year's resolutions tend to fail is that they just don't, they're not specific enough, right? So we love to stay in the realm of wishful thinking, right? Like I am going to be healthier this year. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. But when I don't make a plan to be healthier this year, how realistic is it that I'm going to follow through? 
right? I'm gonna spend more time with my family this year. It's a great concept, but until I sit down with a calendar and actually make a plan for like, hey, here's how many nights a week that we wanna sit around the dinner table together as a family, it's gonna stay in the realm of wishful thinking, but most likely not actually transfer into any change in behaviour. And, and so as I was thinking about this, I realized, man, this isn't just psychology. This is biblical. It, which is something that I've loved in recent years. The more that they've got into brain science, the more that brain science has actually revealed what the Bible has been saying all along. Which makes you think, man, it's almost as if there is a creator who actually knows how we're designed and who knows how we're made to flourish and then wrote it down in a word somewhere. Right? Proverbs 29:18 says this, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained, but happy is one who keeps the law. Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained, but happy is one who keeps the law. Do you see it in there, the things we were just talking about? Vision and restraint. Now, I understand that we're probably going to have an automatic reaction to the word restraint. So I'm going to replace it with choices just to make us feel better. Vision and choices. Do you see it there? Now, I'm going to read it to you from the message translation. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what He reveals, they are most blessed. And, and I wanted to put it in there in the, in the second translation just so that we could see something. Because this principle honestly is true on, on about anything. It's true on, on how we do family. It's true on how we do health or exercises or finances. You could actually apply it to any area of your life that you want to see improvement in. But the reality is, is that the fundamental level, scripturally, it's actually first about your spiritual formation. And that's where I want to get kind of practical today. Because last week, Dennis went online. Um, we, I don't know if you remember, but we we're in the middle of a crazy windstorm. We didn't have church that Sunday. How many people caught the devotional that Dennis did online? Okay. Yeah. Do you drove here? No. I'm sorry. We tried to put it out every way we knew. And the final line was a sign. The final line was the sign on the door. Um, so, but in Dennis's devotional last week, he just, he asked a few questions and he said, what do you hope for in 2022? He said, how do you maintain a strong hope level? How do you guard your heart to be a hope bringer? And then he went on to exhort us about stewarding our hearts and making sure our heart is anchored, right? And, and as I was listening to him, I realized, man, there's actually a lot of a action words in there, right? He used maintain, guard, steward, anchor, and, and as I was thinking about it, I'm like, man, those aren't just things that we wish for, or those things aren't just concepts. They actually require some form of action. Like my heart's not stewarded just because I like the idea of my heart being stewarded. Like I actually have to do something for that to be true, right? My heart isn't just guarded because I read a scripture and thought it was really good. It has to like turn over into some kind of action for that to work out in real life. And, and so the more I thought about it, the more I was like, man, I just, as we enter a new year, I just wanna come back to talking about the basic concepts of vision and choice. 
And, and so I'm gonna start with vision. And really the basic idea behind vision is that I really have to have a strong yes to something in order to say no to something else. You know, have you heard it said, vision gives pain a purpose, right? Because if we don't have vision, then I'm not gonna have a standard that's greater than my current feelings or opinions. And I will do whatever feels good in the moment. You know, if I give you an example, um, I was with um, the, the mission space in South Africa back in March. And, and um, I, w- I just got the opportunity to be there for a week. And when I was there, I discovered that they do morning prayer from 6 to 8 a.m. every morning of the week. And so I went to prayer with them at 6 a.m. And the thing that I was um, amazed by was how many people were there. There was probably about 50 people in the room. And the thing that really captured me was it wasn't just the ministry team or the missions team. There was um, dads dressed ready to go to work for the day who were coming to prayer before work. There were students in high school in their school uniforms coming to prayer before school. Right? And so there was this real mix of the team from the mission space and a mix of the local community coming in at 6 a.m. to pray. And it was a part of the normal rhythm and practice. And it was a powerful prayer time. Honestly, I think partially because of the commitment it takes to do that. And so I came home and Mariah and I talked and I was, because I was, at that point we had prayer sets happening in our prayer room, but we were doing it at 9.30, which was most convenient. Um, and I just realized, man, I, as much as I love that we're setting aside time for prayer, this isn't really making it available to anybody who doesn't work at the church. Right, because most people are in school or at work or have started their day, and so we talked about starting a six a.m. prayer set just for like to just kind of drive a higher level of discipline and sacrifice into our prayer life, but also to make it more available in case anybody wanted to join us. And, and so we started doing this. And here's the deal: look, conceptually, it's amazing. Challenge-wise, I love sleep. Like it is literally one of my top two favorite things in life. Like my husband just knows, like if he wants to make me happy, he just says, hey, how about you go take a nap, sweetie? And I'm like, oh, you love me, right? If it was a love language, it would be another one. And I, so here's the deal. Like I love the concept of early morning prayer. Like everything in me is like, yes, I am that person. But at 5.45, when my alarm goes off, everything in me is, no, I'm not that person. And I wrestle with myself every single time. There's the amount of times I've told Mariah this in all honesty. I'm like, I woke up and I almost convinced myself that I was sick this morning and that I couldn't make it. <laughs> and the, the reality of the like, if I don't have a vision for a higher level of why we do what we do at 6 a.m. in the morning, you better believe I would cancel every single week. Galatians 6, 7 to 9 says this, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, this he will reap. For the one who he sows to his own flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Let's not become discouraged in doing good. For in due time we will reap if we do not become weary. 
And the Passion Translation says this, the harvest you reap reveals the seed that you sow. The harvest you reap will reveal the seed that you sow. Now, if you look at the Scripture, you think the reality is, is no matter what, whether you're aware of it or not, or whether you're intentional or not, you are sowing into something, right? You are either sowing to the flesh or you're sowing to the Spirit. And, and if you look at it, you're like, man, sowing and reaping, the idea of sowing and reaping is really, it's farming or it's gardening language, Right? And, and I, I was thinking about that because I was thinking about the contrast between what that means even now and what that would have meant at the time that Paul wrote that. Because I have a hydroponic garden in my kitchen. Does anyone have one of those? Those things are cool, right? And what, what I mean is I got this little unit in the mail that came with its little seeds and you put them in the thing and then you hook it up to your iPhone or your husband hooks it up to his iPhone because that's, but I say that I'm gardening. Um, and then it switches the light on all by itself on a timer. And then every two weeks, it reminds you to put plant food in it. And every now and then it reminds you to put water in it. And I have nonstop lettuce. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's amazing. Right, but, but it takes away, like it suddenly brought gardening into the world of like, this is the easiest thing ever, right? It made it like instant. It arrives at my fingertips. It does it all year long. But if you think back a little bit back to the intention when this was written, and you just have to think what it actually means to sow and reap in a farming sense, Right? Like you actually have to think through what is the harvest that I want to cultivate? And therefore, what is the seeds that need to be sown? And what is the condition of the soil that it needs to be sown in? What's it going to take for me to cultivate this? How am I going to deal with weather conditions? How am I going to keep this safe through seasons? How am I going to deal with like the animals or the birds? Like it is, it's not this thing of like, oh, it's just in my kitchen and I think about it once every two weeks. And, and the reality is, is it really takes a certain amount of vision to sow a seed today that I'm not actually going to reap from for a period of time. And, and honestly, Alaska summers probably doesn't also help us with the analogy. And I just want you to think in terms of like, what if you're sowing fruit trees? How much work are you doing today for a harvest that you're not actually going to see for years? And, and I think, and the reason I bring it up is like, reality is, is I think we're so used to things being pretty instant and pretty easy and kind of right at our fingertips that we can transfer that onto spiritual formation, and lose sight of the idea that spiritual formation happens in the day-to-day -day choices and the long-term investment in the same direction and not in just moment-by-moment -moment sound bites. You know, the idea of sowing is, man, like we actually look down the road, like one years, three years, five years, 10 years. Who is it that I want to be formed into? What do I want to look like in 10 years? 
And then I bring it back to today and I ask myself, what are the seeds that I would need to sow today and cultivate tomorrow and the next day to get to that end goal in 10 years time? And really it's the strength of that vision and in the, the real, the faith in the, in the idea of like, look, don't be mocked. God's not mocked. Don't be deceived. We reap what we sow. You, like it takes faith in God who's declared that. And then a strength of vision is the thing that actually stops us growing weary, right? Because it says, go on, it goes on to say, don't grow, grow weary in doing good for you will reap a harvest in due time. Right, But the, re- the, the reality is, is in a culture of instant gratification, the te- there's a reason that we're tempted to get weary because it requires us to work in the day-to-day for a result that we will see in the future. When we see everybody around us living for now and it's a vision that will keep us sowing and watering and moving and not giving into weariness and abandoning those things. You know, I, um, James Smith wrote a book called You Are What You Love, The Spiritual Power of Habit. Those are the type of books that we don't tend to usually pick up. The Spiritual Power of Habit. But he writes this, the place we unconsciously strive towards is what ancient philosophers call our telos, our goal, our end. Our telos is what we want, what we long for, what we crave, a vision of the good life that we desire. To be human is to be animated and oriented by some vision of the good life, some picture of what we think counts as flourishing. So then of course, sorry. So then, so when you think about that, the question becomes then what is your vision of the good life that you desire? Because he goes on to say this, of course we know the right answer. You know what you ought to say and what you state could be entirely genuine and authentic, a true expression of your intellectual conviction. But sometimes a man doesn't want to do what a man thinks he wants to do. Your deepest desire is the one manifested by your daily life and habits. Now think about that for a minute because it... Right? And man, in a culture right now who tells you that the highest end is your personal happiness, there are real moments that we wanna step back and evaluate, actually, if I'm honest with myself, what is the end that I am desiring and that I'm pointing myself towards? And sometimes if we're honest with ourselves, I think we could look and say, man, I actually have a clearer plan for my retirement than I do for my spiritual formation. Which leads me into choices. Or for those of you who don't mind, restraint. You know that verse in Proverbs, where it says, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. When I looked looked that into my commentary, it actually said this, the sense is to let something slip through your fingers by ignoring the opportunity. Think about that, right? So it's true, there's some truth here on multiple levels. And another translation, it says, where there is no vision, the people are lawless. 
as in there is no reason for my yes or for my no. And therefore I will do whatever it is that I feel like in the moment. But when I live like that, opportunity slips through my fingers and I don't even know it, right? But then it goes on, it says, but happy or blessed is the one who keeps the law. And the contrast there is that, look, when I have no restraint, my, my greater level of opportunity is lost. But when I'm a follower of Jesus, I actually come under His ways. And by coming under His ways, that actually automatically brings restraint. And blessing is the, what flows, right? You know, I was um, working out in the... the in, in virtual reality, because you know everything's instant. Um, I was in the world of virtual reality and the virtual reality guy, as I'm walking, working out, he says this, he says, he says, I just wanna remind you that you are what you do every day. And it was supposed to be really motivational and it just kind of annoyed me, I'll be honest. Like, I'm like, wait a minute. It's, I am what I do every day. I'm like, that's stupid. I eat food every day. I'm not food. This, this, I'm being a little bit rebellious, partially because I knew probably what he was trying to do is say, you should work out every day. And I'm like, mm, you can go away. And so I like, but it like totally um, was like captured me. Like you are what you do every day. I'm like thinking about this. And I'm like, do I agree or do I disagree? And then I, I was reading the next morning and um, John Mark Comer's written a new book called Live, Live No Lies, which I would highly recommend. It's a fantastic book. But I was in the section of the book where he says, philosophy teaches us that our choices become our habits, our habits become our characters, and our character becomes our destiny. I'm gonna say that again, because it sounds a little bit like you are what you do every day. <laughs> right? Our choices become our habits, our habits become our character and our character becomes our destiny. Which kind of really makes you think about the power of daily choices, right? And actually kind of sounds a little bit like you reap what you sow. Because when we sow a seed and cultivate it over time, eventually we reap a harvest in our character and in our destiny. And, and, but the sowing, the concept of sowing is really about our daily habits and our daily practices. And, and, and man, I, as all of this kind of came together, you know, when you hear something from multiple directions all in one time, you're kind of like, oh, I think God might be talking to me. And I just, for me, I, I definitely felt the voice of God on it. And, and then because, you know, obviously I felt a challenge, that means I get to challenge you too. But uh, like I know for me, if I'm honest with myself, planning isn't my strength. Aaron is very strong as a planner. In fact, like when Aaron, like when I don't get in his way, he's really good at like, we'll sit down and have a strategic plan for our finances and for our marriage and for our parenting and for like, and break it down into goals and usually like set up our year that way. And it really makes a difference. But the only reason we were able to get there is in the early days, he actually had to confront me because every time he was like, hey, we should sit down and have a planning meeting. I was busy that day. And, and when we finally sat down and talked about it and I got really honest with myself and he's like, why do you always want to avoid planning? And I was like, when I got really honest with myself, I was like, because planning creates restraint, 
right? Like if you say, I'm gonna do this, this, and this, it literally means I will not do this, this, and this. And if I'm honest with myself, I don't like restraint. I actually want to do whatever I want to do. I don't want to get up early, right? I, and, and that's the honest truth of it. And yet, and, and yet the reality is, is over time, I have built habits that sustain me. I, I don't necessarily live that way as much as there's the pull towards it always, and I've built habits to sustain me and they've been amazing. But in this, in this season, I feel like I've felt, felt the voice of God say, don't just continue to live out of the old habits that have sustained you, build more. Like it's time to advance, it's time to increase, build, build the next layer, build the next level. And, and I think the more that I thought about it and pondered it, the more that I realised, man, Technology has actually brought amazing things into my life, especially like all my family lives in New Zealand and Australia. So Marco Polo has been amazing for me to be able to stay in touch with my family. Social media has been amazing to, to stay in touch with friends who live all around the world. You know, I love podcasts. At any one time, I ha- like my friends will text me like, hey, you should listen to this podcast and I'm glad that they do. But then I have this like, five podcasts at any one time that I want to listen to because I want to learn. But then I also have Kindle on my phone, which allows me at any time to download a book that I'm like, oh, that's one that I want to read. And so all of this, like there is a world of things that I can immerse myself in at any one moment. But what it also means is like, man, there's just no silence anymore. I'm like, there's not often that I'm just driving in the car and it's silent. Or that there's not the pressure just there of knowing that I've got a message from a family member to watch or something to respond to. And I'm realizing is what it does is all of it, while none of of it I actually don't think is bad, although some of it can be, is all of it's just encroaching in, encroaching in, encroaching in. And all of it competes for my time and attention. And, And the thing that it robs from is my ability to sit in the silence and for my soul to commune with God Himself. Not just where I'm learning about Him from good information on a podcast, but I'm actually talking to Him and I'm present with Him without the competition of five, 10, 20 other voices or the pressure of all the things that I need to do. And for me, it struck me again, and this isn't old, but it's just hit me in a new way, how much structuring our time with intentionality is spiritual warfare. Our day-to-day habits and our day-to-day choices to get alone with God and make sure our soul is formed properly in a thousand voices of culture is spiritual warfare. Like you understand that every time I open my Bible, I push back on the lie that I am the highest standard that there is. And I embrace something that says, there is a truth that is higher than my opinions and my feelings, right? Every time I take time out to pray, I push back on the lie that it all depends on me. 
and I step back into the place that there is a God in heaven who is higher than I am and who sees a perspective that I don't see. Right? Every time I step into worship, I push back on the lie that I am my own God and that I am the highest that there is. And I just realized, man, it is so easy right now to be entertained and distracted that we don't always realize that we're falling asleep spiritually. And so, man, as an act of warfare, I'm wanting to push into disciplines that structure my life in daily habits and choices in the direction I wanna go. And here, here's um, something that was quoted in that Live No Lies book that I was telling you about. It says this, each step in life, which increases my self-confidence, my integrity, my courage, my conviction, it also increases my capacity to choose a desirable alternative. In other words, every time I choose to sow to the Spirit, it increases my ability to say yes to the Spirit until eventually it becomes more difficult for me to choose the undesirable rather than the desirable action. My heart has been discipled unto a certain direction. But on the other hand, each act of surrender and cowardice weakens me and it opens the path for more acts of surrender and eventually freedom is lost. What does that mean? When I sow to the Spirit, I get more and more distant from, I mean, sow to the flesh, I get more and more distant from the voice of the Spirit and the easier it comes to live for myself until I don't even realise that I've lost my freedom, right? Between the extreme when I can no longer do a wrong act and the extreme when I have lost my freedom to right action, there are innumerable degrees of freedom of choice. In other words, we don't get there in one powerful decision, we get there in many small ones. Most people fail, and this is the part I want us to catch. Most people fail in the art of living, not because they are inherently bad or without will that they cannot lead a better life. They fail because they do not wake up and see when they stand at a fork in the road and have to decide. And I'd just like to propose that the idea of waking up and seeing that we stand on a fork in the road is not in the major life choices, it's actually in the day to day. It's when I wake up in the morning and day to day recognise my choices today sow to the Spirit or they sow to the flesh. They move me towards a vision of some kind. Am I aware of what it is and am I directing it on purpose or is something else pulling me? Like Dennis talked last week about stewarding our hearts and and the reality is, is we actually steward hearts through intentional habits. Our hearts are actually calibrated through daily choices. And so I just really believe, just as we come into a new year, and just to be clear, I'm not talking about setting New Year's resolutions, but I'm just talking about being very strategic in examining our vision, right? And asking ourselves, what is the vision that I am striving towards? And do my daily habits and practices actually reveal that to be true? Because if there is a gap between what we say that we want and what we actually do, we probably should be honest with ourselves and examine, I actually want something that I'm not being true to myself about. 
And then there's the question, have I settled for a vision of the good life that is less than what Jesus called us to? And I think that's an important question in this hour. Like, man, when I get honest with myself and we go and like, we have a few days off because winds get crazy. I'm like, I do really well. Like, shut me at home. I have books to read. I have TV shows to watch. I have puzzles to do. I can do this for a long time. But the danger of, there's a danger in it, man. I recognize like I can too easily get lost in this world and be satisfied with something way less than what I'm called to. And sometimes then it gets a little bit harder to get that engine restarted. You know, man, in a culture where there are so many things that are like calling for my attention, I just, I'm so aware that we have to get so intentional about following the way of Jesus that we actually really push back against culture and make room in our lives for the things that we say is most important. And not at a concept level, but a very focused and specific level. And so here's some thoughts that I just had, man, like as an act of spiritual warfare, do I have a plan for Bible engagement in a culture saturated with entertainment? Do I have a plan for withdrawing to commune with God in a culture of noise? Do I have a plan for discipleship in a culture of isolation? Do I have a plan to cultivate thanksgiving in a culture of criticism? Do I have a plan for radical generosity in a culture of consumerism? And do I have a plan? And this one's a fun one. Do I have a plan for self-denial and a culture of self-fulfillment? And, and you can leave those up there. But honestly, beyond that, there, you could fill out a whole nother list. What is it that you have a plan for? Right? Do you have a plan for how you're going to do marriage well? Do you have a plan for how you're going to do family well? Do, do you have a plan for how you're going to do love and compassion well? And so is what I wanted to do is, you know, what, what we never want to do is like do a message up here and have everybody go about their way and be like, that was great and forget about it in two days, right? The goal of this is always that it moves us to action. It's always that it inspires some level of alignment in our life. So because, so what I did is we just have these simple little cards that say vision and choices on them. And we're going to hand them out right now. Um, and I'm just going to give you a few minutes. And, and, and here's the thing. It's like, this only works if you do it for yourself. Don't do this because I told you to or as a little activity that's just going to go in the trash on the way out. But um, do it if this is like, man, I actually want to advance this forward in my life. Like I want to be a person who sows and then reaps the harvest of what I sowed. But I'm going to give you a few minutes just to like ponder, like, do I actually know what my vision is? Can I articulate it? And if I can drill it down, like what are, the, either the, what are the choices that I can bring into my daily life that is gonna actually move that thing forward? And I, and I understand that not all of you are gonna be able to do that in just in a few minutes. If you need to take it home, take it home. But I just, the thing that I wanna encourage you to do is have the ability to articulate what your vision is and then have the choices that you can point to that says this thing is real and I can show you because of this, this, and this, okay? So I'm gonna give you a few minutes to do that and then we will close up. Sound good? (laughs) 
okay, I don't wanna hurry you through. If you're still working on that, feel free to finish or feel free to take it home and work on it. I just, if people are done and, and are ready to go, feel free. Um, I don't wanna keep you here forever, but please be careful in that parking lot. Seriously, we've had no injuries so far today. So just please just carefully skate your way back to the cars. Um, we'll have people up here for prayer. If you need prayer for anything, please let our team pray for you. Otherwise, um, stay safe. Enjoy sending your kiddos back to school. And um, we hopefully will see you tonight here for class.